Check, check. Hello. What's up? We have a brand new episode for you guys today. This time it's a little bit different. Our good friend John Hamilton Williams III, he was not able to come on today. He had to do something. He said work, I think is what he mentioned he had to do today. So um, it's just me leading the podcast today. But we did have super special guest Ryan Woods pop on with us. And Ryan Woods has become really well known as an obstacle course racer. Uh, as well as a mountain runner, and he has achieved the highest of accomplishments on the roads and on the track as well. So uh, Ryan's been running for a long freaking time and has a wealth of knowledge about training and that he is an open book. He shares pretty much everything that he does that help him helps him prepare for obstacle course racing. And uh, yeah, he does it pretty well because he just won the North American Championship in West Virginia for Spartan Race. So um, he's pretty freaking good. So I would definitely dial in to listen to what he has to say. Uh, Along with being a phenomenal athlete, he's also uh, a professional chiropractor who has his own chiropractic uh, practice called Marathon Chiropractic. And he also helps, uh, dives in and shares a little bit about the recovery process, some of the things that he uses, some of the things he does to help his clients that, that come in uh, which is really valuable information um, that you can apply for yourself. So um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we really dive in, I would love for you to rate and review the podcast. Uh, totally helps us out. We would love that. And just hit subscribe so you can get all the brand new episodes when we get super awesome guests like Ryan Woods on uh, to share his great information. So uh, with that, here's our good friend, R.J. Woodsy. All right, here we are. We have Ryan Woods with us. Ryan Woods, what's up, dude? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Great, man. So um, tell me about the recovery shake that you're eating right now. Oh, it's delicious. This is uh, – I start with a base of a banana. Banana? Uh, I add in a scoop of whey, whey elite. Whey. I add in half a scoop of creatine elite. Oh. Half uh, – have a scoop of the some sample greens I got. Not elite, uh, just regular sample greens. Yeah, well, that uh, Matt Mossman from Endure Elite sent me. Oh, so same. Um, and a uh, uh, half a scoop of collagen, and then I add in some berry mix and some mangoes and apple juice and uh, this little lemon echinacea thing to give it a little bit of tartness. Okay, and some fish oils. And then I blend, and it's delicious. I crave this every day. I have this almost every day for lunch. It is it is fantastic. It sounds like it has literally everything you need. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's it's basically a full meal, and in the summertime when it's hot outside, it cools you off. So it's fantastic. Love it. That, yeah, this is good as it gets. And is that like a sponsor then? Are you – is that a shout to your sponsors? Mm-hmm. Nice. So, kind of. It's – I mean, you know, it's a product that I use, so it's – it's a, uh, I guess it's a shout out to the sponsors, but it's also, you know, something that's pretty valuable in my everyday dining. And you actually like it. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd hate to have sponsors that I didn't like. That'd be pretty miserable. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a tough sell for the hashtag. <laughs> oh, these shoelaces are so much better than your shoelaces. <laughs> <laughs> these half gloves that cover just your fingers, they're great to go over these obstacles. I love them. <laughs> um, well, sweet, man. Yeah. So thanks for popping on, joining us today. 
And, you know, we have a bunch of topics to cover. I do want to dive into some of the, the racing and some training. Um, but really, first question that has been on my mind is, so the Ryan's thing in the obstacle course racing. So what's your take on this? Is it is it funny? Is it overdone? Is it appropriate? What do you think? I don't, I mean, you're a Ryan too. So I'm in, I'm in the me. conversation. Hey, this is a back and forth. I want to see where you're at because I, I have thoughts. I mean, it's kind of funny. Uh to have all these Ryans that are so successful in this sport. Uh, you know, it. anytime there's a post, you know, you can always expect, uh, oh, I need to change my name to Ryan if I want to be good. You know, like there's not a whole lot of uh, original content coming from uh, um, folks on that. But yeah, not a I time. mean, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, it's very blatant. It's very right in front of your face, so people can't help it. Like they think it's they think it's clever, but it's there. It's literally yeah. Ryan's all the way down. And you know, now have- here's something that uh, people might not know: is both Atkins and I, uh, we're Ryan Josephs. Oh wow! No, yeah. I didn't know that. Do we, do we know Ryjos? That is. What do we what, do we know? Kempson mm. and Kent's middle name. I know it's not Joseph. It's not. It's not. We know what it's not. Yeah, those losers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm What's just your happy. middle name? I'm Patrick. I'm all Irish, man. Richard Patrick Ryan. And uh, another fun – I was actually born on St. Patrick's Day. So oh! How's that? How's that That's Friday? two days before my birthday, but – Oh, really? Uh, yeah. A Pisces? Oh, man, I don't know that horoscope stuff. You sh- Well, you're Pisces, so okay, it's, yeah. it's so Pisces I know I'm on the cusp, and if you, uh, if you know that stuff, then I'll take your word for it. I, I actually don't know a ton. I just know mine, and I would assume since it's so close. But I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means for... It switches on, like, the 20th or the 21st, so... Oh, so it might, you might actually not be. I, no, no, I, no, no, no. I am. I'm whatever you are. Okay. We're the same. We're one in the same. That I feel, I feel this I feel on this. my Chinese uh, menu. A thing I'm a sheep. Uh, the Chinese zodiac thing. You know, go to Chinese restaurants. The paper with all the different animals for the year you're born. I'm a sheep. Oh, okay, that's good. You apparently don't eat a lot. Of <laughs> I Chinese don't know. Food. I don't. I don't. I don't. I must not dine in at, at the same kind of Chinese food restaurants that you do. Oh, you're so classy, huh? I'm just no. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just I'm straight takeout. Um. <laughs> Well, cool, dude. So I'm glad that we've got the uh, horoscope situation figured out. But uh, and I, I and I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago. I, I want you to come on, see if you'd be interested in coming on to talk a little bit about you know your profession and how that can benefit runners and OCR athletes as a, um, a chiropractor who has his own practice. Uh, but there was a big race this past weekend, and you did particularly well. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about that, like? The Spartan North American Championships this past week, and uh, you were the first one to cross the line during that race. Woohoo! Yeah, and I remained first across the line. I haven't <laughs> yeah. been DQ'd. Yay! Are, are you in the clear? Are we? Are we good? Yeah, awards I guess. Ha- well, awards happened. I, I was drug tested, so if I fail my drug test, then I guess I'm I'm screwed. But did they drug sh- test you? Yeah, really. Only the winners, but yeah. Is so, that just at the national at all the national series races or just at the championship races? Uh, they kind of do it at random. Last year they did it at Utah, and uh, this year's uh, just West Virginia, I guess. I haven't heard of anyone else contesting this year. So, and do they just pull you off the podium and then just like take you somewhere? You kind of cut out through that. What'd you say? 
Oh, sorry. It's like, do they just like pull you right off the podium and then be like, okay, you got to come with us? Like, it's no, time no, to no. Pee in this when you cross cup. the finish line, they let you know. You fill out a form and then you go pee in a cup, which is kind of wow. hard to do after two hours of racing in the south. <laughs> it took, it took like yeah. a lot of pounding of recovery drink and water. And what came out was not a lot and not a pretty color. No, no, no. Have you ever taken like the um, like beet elite or beet juice, like mm. that? That no, turns... but formerly from uh, Endurly has beets in it. They do have the beet in it. Does yes. it change? Does it change your urine? Does it change your pee yeah, color? Yeah, it was at that point. It was. It had a little bit of a red. Ten, oh, let's get in my urine color. Let's it do was, it. It was. It was dark red, tinged uh, yellow. I mean, it was like. It was it was not a healthy color of urine. Nothing you'd ever want to see in the bathroom. That's why I like I like kind of stopped taking like the beetroot juice because it was freaking me out. It'd be a like crazy long effort, and then I'd be I, like, for a couple of years ago, I started drinking actual beet juice, which gives you really bright red pee and even turns your poo red. No, I, I've I've I know that like eating enough beets, you kind of. I've I've always wanted to have a Christmas poo. Where I take a bunch of beet juice and drink it, and then wait a couple hours and take like that purple or blue Gatorade, which turns your poo green. Green? No, yeah, no. <laughs> I call it the Christmas poo. Yeah. You could you could make it happen. I mean, December's I could, I could. Up, it yeah. just would take you know a little bit of planning and and lots of poo. Yeah, yeah. Um, this so, is what you wanted to talk about today, right? I wanted to talk about your goals. So we are kind of all along that line. So that's great. Um, uh-huh. So, dude, how you feel? How you feeling post race? You've had oh it's... man, I'm on cloud nine. That was awesome. I uh, I knew I was fit. I knew I've been fit all year, though. Uh, yeah, I was actually running better at the beginning of the year in Jacksonville than I am now. Um, I ran a 25-28k, uh, and it's a course I've done several times, and it was 35 seconds faster than I've ever done. Oh wow! Then and then you know, getting tangled up in that barbed wire uh, in Jacksonville, it just it got deep in my quad, and I was kind of limping for. Uh, I had to take a few days off of running, and then I was limping for a little while after that. I did a race two weeks after that. Uh, that I've done pretty much same same as the other one several years. Uh, so I got a good history on it, and I was. It was my worst time for that race, and I was twenty five seconds slower as a four mile race than I was the year before. So. I went from really fast to really slow uh, in, in a four-week span with that Jacksonville barbed wire in the middle. And then, you know, I, I was getting healthier. I uh, wasn't really ready for Bama. And then Seattle, it was a week and a half before that, that I actually tweaked my hamstring deadlifting. And I knew I wasn't ready to go, but I was kind of um, contracted to be there and to race. And uh, it was stupid. I, I, I tweaked it like – not even a third of a mile in and so it took another couple of weeks so it was kind of frustrating to have like really a, a great fitness to start the year and have zero to show for it if i don't get tangled up in that barbed wire i think in the national series like you know i've got my foot on its throat after three races but instead i came away with absolutely nothing but i suck with the plan for the year I was kind of just getting healthy for Big Bear, so getting on the podium there was a little bit of a surprise because uh, I was still kind of limping on the downhills. And then the plan was to take a break after Big Bear. It's a long year, take a couple weeks off, 
I ended up having to do the Spartan Ultra to qualify for Sweden uh, in mm-hmm. Ohio two weeks after. That was like the end of my two weeks off, but uh, I wasn't really super competitively racing that. Um, but I stuck with a plan. Uh, it was a slow build back into Utah, and and I I guess I wasn't super ready for that. Uh, my fitness was on track, but I, I also think I raced uh, poorly. I went out too hard and gas myself at altitude and uh you know it just kind of motivated me to keep pushing keep pushing and it finally all came together in west virginia yeah i i would say so man and i was really excited to see to see those results and um do you follow like the jack bauer when he does like the contests and i get tagged in some stuff you get tagged and, and stuff, like, yeah. I, I see some stuff so i'm kind of like aware of it yeah yeah so i want you to know that i, I did i did pick you to win but yeah but but then i changed it and picked oh, the second come I, I, on. I just had it i don't know why i just like uh I who'd you pick atkins i was like yeah hey. he's a safe bet safe bet but yeah you, you I, I i i thought that you would win for a little bit i kind of thought you would win so well i mean a lot of people were picking me early in the year and I was letting him down, so I think I think a lot of folks had given up on me. Not not me. I was I half did. Um, you, you you did give up on me a little bit, but not. I, I used to pick my in the beginning of the year. I was picking myself like fourth and fifth every time, <laughs> and then I was like I'm betting on myself, and then I just ruined my entire um, chances of winning everything. I like so. it though. Like when I do my NCAA tournament brackets, I have NC State NC winning State it wins. all every year. <laughs> that um, probably goes really well for you. Yeah, 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 real, real well. Um, but well, you did win Sunday. I did win Sunday. I, it was the only Ryan in the race, I think. <laughs> so, so you had to. So I, they basically just handed it to me. They they turned the course and cut it in half, so like they could take the first Ryan and then. Just so play. it sounds like you like the Ryan jokes because you're making a few. I'm in on the Ryan jokes. If I can <laughs> be in, I'm just glad to be part of the conversation. You know, it's like, hey. There's another Ryan. It's like, yeah, I am. So here we go. Let's do it. And you got top 10 in the national series, right? I did. Yeah. I, uh, I did not. So you, I mean, there you go. You're ahead of me in the national series. That's, that's true. That is true. (laughs) Yeah. You had, and you had a chance to knock me out. If you, if you would have won Utah, Ryan Woods would have replaced Rich Ryan in the top 10. So there would have been the same Ryan, um, density would have, Remain the and same. I'd have gotten that hundred buck paycheck. Oh man! Well, we'll see. It hasn't hit the it hasn't hit the bank account yet. Yeah, <laughs> hundred bucks for the whole series is kind of. <laughs> like, yeah. When I looked back, now, I was like, "Is it first right? first year they had the series? They put the prize money twenty deep." Um, oh yeah. Yeah, but you but like even at tenth, like I would say I'm more backed into tenth. Like after like the first two or three races you know, people dropped out and I just kept showing up and my last two races didn't go well at altitude, like big bear and uh, Utah. They were just hard, but I, I just was there. Well, you stuck with it, you know, <laughs> I stuck with it and like, yeah, I committed to it and it was a good experience to get that. So I'm happy with it for sure. Um, but, but yeah, so I want to double back a little bit on, you mentioned you felt you were as fit as you have ever been. And I found it's a kind of a struggle to really quantify fitness, especially when it comes to OCR. And you mentioned some road racing times. And I'm just curious, is that kind of how you do figure where you were? Do you hit the roads? Do you find something that is predictable? Or is there a different way that you've found helps you figure out like where you are in terms of your fitness for this, these type of races? Well, I mean, OCR, you know, there's so many different elements, but yeah, my grip strength is so good now. Like, 
as long as I'm doing the work, I don't have to really worry about obstacles. Um, so then when you're talking about time on course, it becomes about, okay, how fit am I running? And in general, road racing uh, can give you a good idea of how well your engine is, you know, running at that point in time. So yeah, if I'm running fast on the roads, I know I'm good on, you know, trails and stuff. I know I can climb really well based off that. Uh, if I'm just doing my heavy carry training, I can expect uh, to do uh, do it real well in those. And then, uh, you know, it's just like fine-tuning um, certain elements uh, of your running based upon maybe what's coming up in the terrain. So you got a mountain race, you know, like how's how's my downhill running? Am I fishing to that? Is my ankle healthy? You know, stuff like that. Uh, keeping mobility. So, yeah, I, I think uh, in terms of cardiovascular fitness, you know, what you're doing on, for me at least, on road racing with, you know, the long history of running I have uh, gives me a good idea where I'm at. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, you – you are so in tune. You've been running since what? Were you a freshman when you started running in high school? Uh, yeah, I was 15. That yeah. was, it was track my sophomore year. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the same deal. I, was, I think I tracked my freshman year, actually. So when you've been at it for that long, you can kind of figure out where you are based on fitness just because you've been doing it for so long. But um, I feel like a lot of times people do have a, a tough time really – like knowing what's going to translate, maybe like a new runner, for instance, or a newer person who's coming into the sport. Oh and even, yeah. And even talking to some people who do well in this sport, they're they can translate into the mountains and into these obstacle courses really well, and say they they are not fast at all on the roads. Um, so, do you feel like you're just kind? Of, you're able to get, and even as like a runner, like I find the runners they might not be able to access their fitness. Um, because of the, the the different terrain and all the obstacles. So do you feel like you're just able to get to that high work rate pretty quickly, like in between obstacles, and you just feel like if you're good on the roads, if you're good, you you know you can take on the terrain? Well, it, all these athletes are different in OCR. So a lot of them, like, you know, I, I've got a – like my cardiovascular engine is what I'm kind of gauging off of. If I'm fit enough to run fast on the roads – and that means I'm fit enough to climb well. I've got the agility to run well on technical terrain, you know, blah, blah, blah. All that adds up. Now, some guys in the sport are fast, you know, bombing technical downhills. And, uh, you know, they can kind of climb okay, but they don't lose too much ground on steep climbing because it's a lot of power hiking. Um, so, you know, they might not have, like, the success on the road. So they might not gauge that the same as mm. what I do. But that's usually something that translates for me. Um, I do a lot more of road racing is kind of tune-up stuff for OCR than I think anybody else in the sport does. Uh, so, you know, I think everyone's got their own things they work at and work on. Um, and that's mostly at the top level. If you're kind of, you know, working to strive to be one of the elite racers, and sometimes, you know, you know, you've got all these different elements that you need to work on, you know, am I strong enough to do the monkey bars? Am I, you know, uh, can I even run on flat terrain or do I need to walk stuff like that? So it kind of, you know, it all just depends on who you are. Yeah. And 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 that's a good point too. Cause I feel like people, when they heard your 8k time 
like probably like laughed to themselves like oh my god like 25 20 like there's no chance i could even touch that so how could i even think about competing at that type of level but um i do think you're right i don't think a lot of people hit the roads that much like i don't think i, I haven't seen really anybody else who kind of does that to really kind of gauge where they are so and i don't know if you have to in the sport but you know i think it's one of those things where now you know everyone in the sport knows if if, if it's open wide open running you know they're not going to keep up with me and uh you know, I think a lot of guys in sport could probably benefit from doing more training like that. But instead, a lot of them just complain about open running, be like, we need more technical off trail running. A lot of guys in the sport love to complain about the things they're not good at and want less of it as opposed to try and get better at things they're weak at. And, um, that's kind of laughable when you just want courses tailored towards your specific strengths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you see it all the time. And, and that's something I do want to ask you about because I'm more coming from your background. Like, uh, like I live right in the city. Like, it's all concrete around me. So I run on the roads a lot. Like, so a lot of way I quantify my fitness is also by roads and having some sort of background in that as well. And I feel the same. I feel that people just almost want the fast runners to fail. It's like we don't like they are like are resentful about how fast other people are. So they're like, oh, I wish it wasn't this way i wish it was like they complain about flat races or um they, it just seems the like obstacles they, are too easy obstacles are too easy that like the bucket carry on the shoulder it's like all of a sudden that's an advantage for fast runners it's i, I it's yeah, like the race is different strong to do it you know yeah yeah no i mean I, that's that's you know the whole obstacles are too easy thing is uh you know yeah the top guys are gonna we're not going to fail off schools because this is what we've been doing and we're trained for it. And, uh, you know, the more you do this sport, the more you're working on your strength, uh, the easier obstacles get. That's, that's just how it is. And the, to whine about the obstacles being too easy, you know, it's a, it's a way to make yourself sound tough and it's a way to kind of thump your chest and, and also give an excuse why you're losing. So I, I always kind of, I don't know. I look down on people that are always whining like that. Yeah. I just don't understand. It's it's like if in like basketball, like they're complaining about like the Warriors shooting more threes. It's like, it's literally the game we're playing. Like you yeah. complaining about the obstacles being too easy, but like they're the same for everybody. And this is what we're doing. And we're all just getting better. You know, like, yeah. like, people used to fail obstacles, but now everybody's kind of like that, like dialed in. Like you said, you can't miss. Um, and yeah, that was something I was curious about as well. Like to see like how you felt about, because I've, I heard, I've heard people also say things like there's obstacle course races and then there's Spartan races and like, are they different athletes or it, like, and you, and you just came from Noram as well. So what was your experience there? Like, do you feel like that it's the same deal, like fitness and, work capacity is the still like the main thing or was that a different story there? No, I mean, you know, I, I, I pride myself on doing a lot of different obstacle course races. I'll do a lot of savage races yeah. and, and they are different. You know, I, if you go to a savage race, you know, you're out there, it's six miles, it's open running, you're running fast. It's multiple attempts on obstacles. So you attack obstacles, you just, you just go balls to the wall. And, and I think that's, you know, I'll do those actually to train for Spartan, which will break you down. They just want to, you know, have you slug it out, you know, the side of a mountain with a sandbag, you know, hours on in. And, uh, sometimes when you're doing that, you 
lose that sort of attack mindset. You know, you come up to an obstacle, you'll stand there, stand there, you'll shake it out a little bit, and you're giving away seconds. And I, I, I like to do savages and stuff like Noram so that I'm, I'm out there and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready for different types of obstacles and I'm ready to attack them and just go crazy on the course. Yeah, that's a good approach too. Um, just so that you are versed in those things and you're not taken by surprise as much. Um, and are you, are you pretty much self-coached? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. How, How have you kind of like approached figuring out how to transition? Because like your background, like you started traditionally, right? Like you cross country track and field through high school and college. And then you, you did post collegiate, right? For mm-hmm. track and roads. And then you transitioned to the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, tell me a little bit about that transition. Like when you had to go from all flats and just like to, to the Hills and then into OCR, like how have you figured out these, these routes along the way? And like, how do you adjust your training accordingly? Well, I, I actually kind of have the exact same outline that I've had since college. Uh, kind of two workouts a week, two sort of speed days, you know, one of them will be more longer and the other will be more shorter up tempo. I mix in some mountain days with those, you know, it's still kind of all based upon time for that. Uh, one long run a week. Uh, sometimes I'll do a moderate long run as well. And then just base runs after that with one recovery easy day, or I'll ride the bike for that. Um, so the outline of running has stayed the same, but now I just vary the terrain a little bit. I'll have, you know, a regular run day might be in the mountains and then I'm doing a fartlet the next day, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it was a harder transition getting into mountain running because I was trying to figure out how to become a mountain runner and do speed workouts. And I couldn't do very well back-to-back days, uh, mountain to speed, but I'm good enough now in the mountains and I'm conditioned well enough now in the mountains that that usually doesn't phase me. And then getting into OCR, you know, there's a lot of, uh, new elements to take on. And it took me, I mean, I started in 2015 and, you know, pretty quickly, you know, I was running clean races, but it wasn't as efficient. You know, the heavy carries would break me down and, and the big races with the big heavy carries, I would, you know, lose so much time on those carries and I'd break down and fail an obstacle at the end of the race. So I wasn't as good in 2015 and 2016 as I am now because I just didn't have the strength and conditioning. It took me a little while to put together all the pieces, but now it's essentially, you know, one day a week I'll do deadlifts and squats. I think that's good for back core strength. I'll do one heavy carry run a week, be it something super steep, uh, or something kind of more wide open running, but usually about 67 minutes after a run of, of a heavy carry or kind of incorporated into a workout. And then uh, Boulder and gym twice a week. And that's uh, that kind of makes the grip bulletproof. I've got a lot of confidence in, in my grip and um, that's pretty much it. I'll do some drills and strides and stuff like that to kind of maintain some speed. It's usually like once a week, but that's kind of always been there since the college days as well. For sure, man. And I totally agree about the bouldering. Like it's almost, when people need grip work. It's just like, that's the way to go. It oh just, yeah. It makes it so versatile. You, you end up being so much stronger than you would just doing farmers carries. I mean, it's doing dead hangs. It's almost yeah. la- laughable compared to like bouldering. Yeah. Dead hangs and farmers carries. Like yeah. 
it's just a waste of effort, you know? <laughs> it's better than nothing if you don't have yeah. a bouldering gym. Yeah. But, um, but man, if you have the means and you have some time that you can get to a bouldering gym, like you have. The other thing I love about the bouldering gym is I think it keeps my hips really mobile. You know, I love getting up and warming up on the wall and, and uh, uh, just kind of almost like a stretching yoga routine. Oh, yeah. I mean, you do. I mean, because it's very leg centric is what you learn if you yeah. want to get better at bouldering. You, bouldering. It's not just all pulling and, and pull ups and strength. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's helpful for like if you do get into something that you're unfamiliar with, it helps like thinking on the fly, doing something physical and, and mentally strenuous at the same time. Uh, because like in OCR, people can just make straight up make mistakes when they're tired. And I, I've done yeah. it. I've done it a million times. And I feel like bouldering um, does help. And, uh, along, along and, it's those fun. and it's fun and it's fun. And it's like it, the most important part that it does. It is really, uh, fun. Um, dude, one mistake I definitely made on Sunday was that swim. How did that go for you? Oh, geez. That, that was, forever. that was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. That was too much. I mean, like at some point in time, you're just like, and the, I see people online saying like, oh, get rid of the life jackets. Are you insane? I couldn't believe when people were like, oh, the life jackets let me down. You, I was like, You know how many what? of us would have drowned? I would have drowned. I, I mean, like, there's, <laughs> that was, uh, I mean, a third of a mile swim. Like, you have to train for that. Like, I, would, I don't train for that. I wasn't expecting something like that. That's, yeah, that, I don't know. I, even... I I wonder sometimes if like you saw how much they promoted Killian before the race. I wonder sometimes like if they're like, what can we do to get Killian back on top? You know, like <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of for a swim that long. It was wild, and I mean, I guess some they probably get annoyed with people complaining about how these races are easy now. It's like, all right, well, let's do a ridiculously long swim and see how you guys fare the last three miles of a thirteen mile race. Um, yeah. Wow. but yeah, I was, I was with like, um, a dude, Air Force Ken at that point, yeah, who, Ken. who's, who's a, a try guy and he was gone. <laughs> like that was the last time I saw him in that race, but yeah, uh, he's, he's, uh, man, he's really good at obstacles. Uh, he, and those obstacles were not easy that day. They were all wet. You know, yeah. I, I thought they were as hard as like, and like, as hard as they've been, yeah, he was still like. Leaping. Well, I was shocked to kind of see some of the post race stuff of people struggling, like on the Hercoist and and the tire. Like, I mean, when you're getting first in there and out, you know, like you, you're like, all right, that was kind of tough, but it wasn't really. Um, and then you see some videos of, of of people really struggle on it, and you're like, whoa, man, I, maybe it's good that I was there first and didn't realize how tough these things would be. You know, you, say, you get in there and see people struggling, it's almost like, all right you know you're going to struggle. Right. That's so true. And that, that I definitely fell victim to that in Seattle. I saw Kent and VJ both fall off the Z-Wall. I was like, well, this is going to be hard. And then I fucking fell off. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and during that swim, man, like I approached it and literally just tried to race it. And I was like, I'm, and I haven't, I haven't done a swim that long in probably a decade. <laughs> That's the longest swim I've ever done in my life. Yeah, it was wild. And your legs held up okay? Did you were you cramping at all at that? You were you I watched like uh the first maybe quarter of the race. You took it over at like after the log? And were Yeah. Um and and basically I was running really comfortable. Uh I never threw down any sort of surge to get a lead. I just kinda 
was running a comfortable pace and just sort of opening up a gap. So that was, I think, really beneficial going into that swim. Uh, and I wasn't trying to race it because I did the year before and I came out super pumped. Uh, so I was just trying to keep a good swimming form. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you want to call what I was doing. And uh, I just tried to manage it so that I wouldn't come out totally pumped. And I still came out fairly pumped. I took some uh, some calories right after that, and I kind of took a little bit of time, you know, almost walk jogging through that swamp area to kind of get my body back. And then I was, I was pretty good after that. But going into it, I was super comfortable, which helped. Um, the year before, I got out so pumped, and uh, we got this obstacle gauntlet area, and, and that's where Killian kind of got a little bit of a lead on me because I got to the water first again. And I was just trying to manage, get my legs back under me, get my legs back under me. And that's when we hit the sandbag that year. And uh, The infamous he, sandbag? Yeah, he got the the one with the hole in it. And I got the one that looked like it was concrete blocks. <laughs> but And that kind of ended my race there uh, for winning. But, you know, those, those breaks went my way this time. I actually, in the first sandbag, I grabbed one that was just pouring sand out of it. I'm like, shit. You know, I was like squeezing it off as I'm trying to run, you know, like trying to close it off. Like, I don't know what they're doing with these sandbags. Like, is it really that hard to make sure there isn't a gaping hole in them? Like, it, they need to, especially for big championship races, like just look at the bags and, and go through them, maybe even weigh them because uh, it's just not right. I mean, I benefited this time, but it's just not right to have them be that uneven and you can see it when you watch the video some guys are huge and some some of those bags look completely empty yeah it's just like you just hope to get a good one <laughs> and yeah. maybe uh maybe at like tahoe because it will be the championships are on sunday this year right like it's a yeah. different day maybe they'll be dialed in a little bit more because i'm sure they have a whole full day of racing and like we're just a real small piece of of the whole event so they're probably just like well, whatever sandbags are good just give these people whatever they need um well, cool. But just to double back a little bit about just the um, the way you've kind of it sounded like you know the running you have it taken care of. You have a good idea of what's going to get you into the best shape possible. Um, how how did you handle the volume of adding in like strength stuff, like adding in some of the carries and uh, the strength work in particular? Um, because a lot of runners who might not have this is runners and OCR people who might not have a background in strength. They're, they're really kind of hesitant to get into it because they're worried that they're going to be sore or they're going to be overtrained or that somehow the bulky. strength is going to be, they're going to get, they're going to get, I just want to be toned. Um, they, uh, that the, the strength is going to be detrimental to them somehow. Yeah. Like, I kind of thought that too. And, and I think, uh, the last thing I really incorporated in was the squats and deadlifts. And I, cause I didn't want to get bigger, but I was, really having issues with my back on some heavy carries you know i it was just my back was breaking down and then i would finish these heavy carries as a i mean generic runner it was it was pretty remarkable once i started incorporating that in and it was seattle in 2017 where i got to the double sandbag and i was with the leaders and I got out and I was in like 20th place. It took me six minutes longer than Atkins. And I'm oh, like, geez. all right, I'm not strong enough. I've got to do, if I'm going to go all in, I need to do strength stuff, squats, deadlifts, stuff like that. Uh, I started doing some CrossFit as well. Um, oh, I do one like hit workout a week or every two weeks too. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, but, you know, it was that 
ass kicking that really decided, all right, if I gain a couple of pounds, it'll be worth it because, you know, I just, I'm not competitive. And when I finish these carries, I'm really bad. And as I got a couple of months into it, I was immediately getting a lot stronger. And that's what led to Palmerton, that double sandbag, uh, in 2017, uh, where I laid down a fast time and just walked Killian down on it. And, you know, it was crazy what that was three months later, what three months of strength training did for my OCR. Did you end up gaining weight? Like you look, I don't know what you used to look like, but yeah, like it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more muscular now, but that's, and that's something that I've been working on a lot lately. So after Utah, I really focused on, you know, uh, getting lean as, and, and kind of cleaning up my diet. Uh, I'm also focusing on getting ready for altitude. I did get an altitude tent. So oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you like how you're going to prep for that. I mean, I've, I, I know I'm the best climber in the sport when the, the climbing is at sea level and yeah. in Tahoe, it's been 50, 50, I think 6,000 feet is kind of my number. And some years I'm little bit better and i'm running really well in some years i i i climbed so poorly in tahoe and same with utah i've climbed poorly last two years in utah so the way i'm looking at it is uh i hope that this altitude tent makes me better uh, makes me two thousand feet better you know yeah. if i can just run two thousand feet higher comfortably then i'll be i'll be stoked on it so yeah uh worked on diet uh kept with the training and the altitude tent and that's kind of the formula to to run well right now in tahoe with everything else i've got which at times can be pretty dominant in the sport no 100 percent, and that's the thing with especially of course like west virginia i just found it was fair like i thought there was something for everybody like yeah. there was like and i, I like the way even like the obstacles were laid out like they were kind of placed evenly as even as they've been instead of like those like tight patches of it was kind of a lot in the last uh three miles because swim was obstacle 20 and then he had almost what 38 so last three miles he had 18 obstacles but it didn't seem like the first 10 miles were obstacle barren you know it seemed like there was just stuff all along the way yeah like they just stuck like olympus someplace and like beater was just at a a random spot and and i like and i like that and and I like that it's at sea level or whatever it was like, cause that is like, to me, it's just hard. Like it's hard to have access. Like it's hard. Like not everybody's going to have an altitude tent or live in or near the mountains. I know. In, in Colorado. In Colorado, or right? Half, like, half of them do. Yeah. Catch up. And that's something like, you know, you want to do the best you can with what you got and like you, you can maximize it in all the way po- ways possible. But like at a point it's like, well, if I don't have mountains in my backyard that are starting at, 6,000 feet it's like and the championship races are going to be that way like is that an advantage like I'm not sure so I've been I've been really surprised too since I got this tent and I just talking about it with people like how many people you know actually have them and train them like and how my, my Katie my wife she keeps on trying to make fun of me She's like, oh, he sleeps in a tent, and she's thinking everyone's gonna laugh at me. And they're like, no, he he really needs to do he that. Should. He has to do that. Yeah, like, oh, oh, he's racing out. Yeah, of course. And nobody's laughing at me like she expects. Is it like the full tent? Like I've seen the ones that are just like the ones that go over like your head. I got the head one. Yeah, the cat would not like a full tent on the bed. So no. now I like my head's in the tent. The cat's you know on my legs sleeping at night. So everyone wins. <laughs> 
I, and I've also heard that when like your volume's high with those things, like your recovery might struggle. Have you noticed? Anything? I yeah, I have uh, a little bit. I think you know sometimes I get out there and uh, like early on I was having some really good runs, and then sometimes I was just feeling flat. Um, you know, that's the nice thing about doing Bartlicks for most of your training is it's kind of, and I've been doing that for ever since I left the farm team uh, in 2005, um, Bartlicks for training. It, so it's all based upon effort. Now with the GPS watches, I can see some of those paces have been slow. And I've had some like Bartlick runs where normally I'd be running five flat pace and, and I've been doing 520 pace, but you know, I'm still just kind of trusting my body and trusting the effort and assuming it'll, it'll all get there. And I, I think clearly in West Virginia it did. Oh, how, how long have you, how long have you been uh, in the thing? I literally bought it within a week, within the week from Utah. And the next weekend I raced Savage in Chicago and I think it arrived. So uh, a week after Utah that Sunday night, it was the first night I slept in it. Hmm. And I mean, when you're going off effort based, that's helpful, right? Because it is because most of the obstacles, because you can't really go off of your watch that often. So I guess yeah. like making sure your efforts in that in the right spot is helpful. And, and you're certainly not acclimated. Are you sleeping in like every night? Yeah. Huh? Is it hurt like your sleep? Like, I'm just really interested in this thing. Uh, I've been taking sleep elite from Endure Elite before I go to bed. Uh, it's basically melatonin and a few other things. That helps me sleep. Uh, I've got the machine with a fan on it to keep it a little bit cool at night. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you sweat in there? I haven't. Not really. Not yet. There's been a couple times I got a little warm. Um, and I overheat at night, but I just crank the AC down. We turn it down to like 63 at night. And, uh, nice. I mean, we like it cold sleeping, so it's kind of nice. That's the way to go, yeah. man. Yeah, it's my struggle with with, with uh, my girlfriend Amy and I. It's like she wants it like seventy two. Oh, like, dude, I'm a sweat. And like we just Katie gotta... and I, yeah, we both are lucky because we like it cold. We we crank the AC and and yeah. So uh, thank goodness I couldn't live with it being that warm. And you know how it is when it's humid. I mean, it, like it's so nasty. It's humid inside, and then it's like seventy, and I'm just like sweating. We've like looked for these ways to have like breathable comforters or sweatproof comforters. It's like that's not a thing. If you don't want it to be warm, don't have a comforter. So we're just like trying to figure out how to turn. Listen, turn the air down and give her an extra blanket. All right. I mean, this is this is easy. I, I've got this figured out for you. <laughs> Come on, Amy. Pro- problem solved. All right. The, tonight we're just gonna crank it. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and just like really jack it down. <laughs> It's like no, I don't know. It's just ah, it must be broken. Yeah, it's working so good. <laughs> I wake up feeling amazing. Um, yeah. So since you've had such like a strong like background in training and training in different areas, and, and like you've, I know you you're kind of a student of the sport more or less. Like you you have thoughts about it. You know what's going on. So like for like the average person who does want to get better, like what are some things that you see people like maybe not doing well or the just mistakes that they're making as far as their training. I mean, people will run, but they don't want to, they don't want to make it a priority. Mm. You know, ever, I get messages all the time, folks, what do I need to do to get better? You know, I'm so strong at all the obstacles run. You gotta, yeah. you gotta run like, and if you don't know how, then you gotta get a coach if you want to get better at it. And you can't just go out and run slow miles every day and think you're going to get faster. You've got to, you know, You've got to do uh, interval training. You've got to 
you got to mix it up a little bit. So, yeah. And I yeah. think a lot of people in the sport would benefit from, you know, doing more racing and time trialing and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, uh, uh, a lot of people in the sport just don't understand and don't try or to be better runners or understand how to be better runners. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think like the how to be a better runner is a really good point because yeah, maybe maybe people just go out and plot around like in the trails or just go run slow like through through like essentially do hikes. Um, but there's the opposite I've found is that people kind of get fixated. It's like okay, I need to run be able to run a six minute mile, and then they'll just try to do it every single day, and like that's like ninety five percent of their VO two max pace. You know, like that's as yeah. fast as they can go all the time, and then they're just completely burnt out or they just can't understand how to amass enough volume. Um, so I think you're right. Is like learning the how behind it and being able to balance easy runs and like those high tempo runs. Yep. Like you mentioned. And I've had the same spacing on my workouts since college, you know, uh, now I'm doing it Wednesday, Saturday, speed workouts, long run Sunday. But, um, you know, it's always, I've always done three days recovery in between, uh, speed workouts or races. Yeah. And, and that, that is, a. A good strategy and that's like just essentially it's a, tr- a traditional way to train for endurance right like that's not yeah. groundbreaking that's not anything no. that's out of the ordinary you just mix in your different terrains into that you know because we aren't just running on roads but mix in your different terrains and your regular training and yeah i think you get it all covered yeah it's um and yeah like and then people try to like throw in crossfit or whatever in between there and they're not recovering or you know they're just they don't quite and that's, that's, I think, a tough thing for runners getting the sport tough for me is once you start throwing in the string stuff, you know, when it's all new to you, you're sore for a couple days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a long time to condition yourself. But I'm in that sweet spot now where, you know, I'm not pushing the weights on the squats and deadlifts, especially after the tweak. And, you know, I, I do more of my CrossFit more now uh, towards toning as opposed to strength building, you know, so mm-hmm. I'll do way more battle ropes and, and, uh, you know, timed intervals with that or more conditioning lighter, you know, clean sort of stuff, as opposed to trying to get bigger and stronger. It's just, yeah, you know, you get a certain level of strength. You just want to condition. And that's where you, you get in that sweet spot where you're not sore from your strength training and you can, doesn't interrupt any sort of your running training. Exactly. Cause that's essentially what you're doing now. You are an OCR athlete. So you train that way just so you're not sore and you're able to adapt the same way. If you, once you start getting into running, you won't feel that soreness as well. Yeah. Um, because that is definitely a hang up for runners in particular of, of trying to start strength training. Like, Oh, well, I just don't want to be sore. And, and like or strength guys probably trying to start running as well. We just don't me and you don't have that experience. You know, we don't understand that. Right. Like they, they have like, they still get a lot of the aches and pains of like the, you know, shin splint type things and and just like issues like that, that are the growing pains of, of running that we haven't felt in forever. (laughs) 25 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, I just feel, I just feel like shit all the time. It's like, "Ah, I think it's it's not bad. (laughs) No, man. No, it gets better. Yeah, it definitely gets better. So I like that you have taken on that strength because that's something that people like won't do because they don't want that period of just like feeling like shit and, and feeling um, sore and like that it's going to I fought it for runs. a while though. Like I said, 2015, my first year in OCR and maybe a little into 2016. 2016 was a bit of a lost year because I got mauled by a dog and uh, towards the end of February and then I uh, uh, 
came back too early from that in May and had some some sort of compensation SI joint injuries as well. So I wasn't really able to train much in the first half of that year, but uh, I was still kind of hesitant to get into strength stuff because I had that sort of mindset is I'm just going to get bigger. Yeah. And coming into a sport that's new and everyone's coming into the sport new, right? Like no one's coming into a training for OCR since high school and no one has an idea of really yeah. what to do. And coming from like a mountain running and like on a high level elite runner, you're probably like, I got to figure it out, man. Like I'm going to be as fit as I'm going to be more fit than everybody out there. So we're, we're good. And I, I feel, I still feel like that happens. Even like there was a, like someone, those people who go out real hard in the beginning of races who might be runners. It's like, what are you doing? Then they just don't have respect for the sport, you know? And they immediately get like sucked into the group um, with things like that. Cause they just don't, they just think that like being a, being fit and being more of a runner, like will help them more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, in the beginning I thought, you know, Oh, it's all right. If I take a set of burpees or if I'm slow in the heavy carry, because I'll just outrun everyone. Right. And it wasn't until I actually got stronger that I realized how weak I was after heavy carry at running, you know? Yeah, no, because it does take some out of you. And even just like the terrain, like you trip, you even do like five stupid burpees that like Atlas are not anymore, but used to. But like that, those are things that do kind of take you out of your rhythm. Yeah. Um, and really kind of mess with you. I'd always run a lot of trails growing up. So, you know, that was kind of, that's, a, that's always been an easy transition for me. But uh, you start to realize um, when I got in mountain running, how a lot of you know good runners on the trails couldn't couldn't run they just they would they would lose focus they would run so slow so that's where a lot of runners become weak in general is just new terrain for them and then yeah if you throw in the ocr stuff some runners will never translate into into spartan yeah and even if they are strong and i've been thinking about that do you think they just don't like the way that they have to train. I think you just don't like it because I feel like there's people out there who are so fit that if they just like went to a bouldering gym, like we, like if you like, like an African runner, if you showed up their grip strength and had them do squats and deadlifts, like, do you think that they would, uh, this, those African runners are pretty frail, pretty, pretty lightweight. Tiny. Yeah. I, I mean, there's not a lot of Kenyan runners I've met that could ever get that Hercules hoist up. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Or the tire flip. Right. But, I mean, there's a lot of, I think back more of the stronger runners that I've ran with that I think they could have. But, uh, again, a lot of those guys never have run trails. They do everything track wide open. And then, you know, it's a lot of new for them. And then when a lot of them try the sport, you know, they'll go in and they'll find one of these big races and they just struggle relative to uh to everyone else and you know they get a poor finish and they're like wow that's is crazy i'm not coming back yeah yeah, yeah. i think they, they just don't want to commit to they want it to be easy up front like hey i put on all this time as a runner i should be fine yeah um, and it's not gonna work that way no um well cool man yeah one of the one of the main reasons i did want to bring you on is because you are a chiropractor and, and you do work with um runners you're uh chiropractic practice is called what marathon chiropractic marathon chiropractic i love it and my other chiropractor that works for me she's a runner uh she finished 17th in the boston marathon two years ago when it was all rainy and nasty yeah Holy shit. that's pretty what cool it, huh? that's super cool what's like her pr uh oh, i don't know uh, is, she, is she in like the 240s 
I think so. Yeah, I think she's like, low two forties. Don't quote oh, wow. me on that. Um, yeah. So what? Like, so you obviously find that there is benefit for runners. So, and I've, I think you guys are magicians, and like I've definitely experienced some of that magic myself, and it's helped me considerably. So, when you see runners, like, what are you typically seeing them for, and like, how do you feel like runners should can benefit from like your type of service? Well, um, the first thing, I mean, I got into chiropractic because of running injuries in college. Uh, there was like a doctor we sent some of our top athletes to up in Fairfax, Virginia, which is three and a half hours from Raleigh. And, uh, we actually all didn't know what he was. Uh, we all thought he was a witch doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, I went to him with some IT band stuff. It was actually just kind of knee pain for me at the time. I didn't realize his IT band, but he did some ART, some grass and some laser, stuff like that. And I was running the next day after pretty much a week off. So, you know, that kind of got me uh, interested in it. And, and so I've carried a lot of those techniques into what I do, active release technique, grass in. Um, and so what we see from runners, I mean, see a lot of that sort of posterior chain stuff. You see a lot of, you know, uh, uh, just general foot ankle stuff. Uh, you know, it, it varies quite a bit with runners, but um, we see a lot of different stuff, so we try and throw a lot of different tools at it. I've got a um, a new office being built right now. It's going to be really sweet. Uh, a lot more space, so we're going to have a therapy bay. Where we're doing uh, more stem, ultrasound, laser therapy, um, because right now I, we've got it available, but it's all in my room, and there's just no real time to do any of that with patients, but I'm excited to add in a... Uh, recovery lounge portion to that so we're gonna have a whole body cryotherapy which actually i bought two weeks ago and uh we're gonna have some compression therapy and stuff like that so it's kind of be uh geared towards all all levels of treatment Mm -hmm. from that sort of uh self-dedicated maintenance and and recovery from you know just getting the cryotherapy and compression to maybe you need some, you got a little hot spot and you want some laser ART or grass into, you know, full body manipulation, stuff like that. But that's the future of the office. That'll be about a year from now. And it's super exciting. That That's really exciting. And I love the approach of the things. Like it's almost like a holistic technique. Cause I feel like some people sometimes with chiropractors think you just kind of like crack your back, crack your neck, Adjust, get adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've always focused more on, on soft tissue, especially, you know, with the athletes and stuff. And, and we do, obviously alignment's huge for what we do, but again, you know, you kind of see this theme in my office as to what I like in terms of keeping me healthy mm-hmm. is <laughs> what I invest, uh, you know, the office in and the future in. So a lot of times I go travel or race and I'll get there and I'll do the whole body cryotherapy. My ankles will swell up on the flight, stuff like that beforehand. <laughs> and now I'm going to have it like, you know, every day That's in awesome. the lobby taking care of myself. And I've already got the boots, so I've been using them at home a bunch. And I'm going to get a few more pairs for when the new office is open. But, yeah, you know, it's it's just what works for me, I figure, is going to also work for other people. And so far in my professional career, that's been the case. So hopefully it keeps on growing that way. Yeah, and I know personally uh, I go – see like a PT from time to time and just recently I had some like knee quad pain after Utah leading into West Virginia and um, I like dealt with it for like two weeks and then went and got scraped and the grass in oh dude and at, at before that moment I thought if I was ever in like 
a hostage type situation where I had to withhold. <laughs> I've heard that my plenty of times. Then that I would hold out, but, break but out the grass and tools. The chance, you know, there's absolutely no way. And I wanted this man to do this things, and I was just like, dude, stop! It hurts so bad. But like, yeah, like the next day, I was like, better. I thought I was gonna yeah. be out. I didn't think I was gonna do West Virginia, and I thought my season was on the was on the line because I was like hurting, and I was just just better. So, wh- wh- yeah. what what are some of the things that like you mentioned the cryo? Um, what are some of the things that you found for yourself have been like the most beneficial when it comes to these type of recovery techniques? I mean, all of that, you know, I get Amanda to adjust me when I need it. Uh, I had my old massage therapist trained in ART. I used to have a lot of hip rotator issues. Uh, and that's another thing with the squats and deadlifts. Uh, I haven't had hip rotator issues since I've gotten stronger doing those, but you know, like I said, all these tools, every injury is different. Uh, every treatment's different. So having all these tools at my disposal, I mean, hell, I think sitting right over here, I've got one of my grass and tools from the office for just at home. It's in this bucket right here somewhere. <laughs> Can you, oh dude, put that away. I mean, Terrible. like that's for my office, but I keep it here at home because, you know, sometimes I got to work on myself. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's great to have all these tools at my disposal to keep myself healthy. Cause at 40, that's the biggest thing. I don't think my engine, I mean, my engine has slowed down a little bit. I won't be able to do what I used to at 5k ever again. Um, but it's still really good. And the thing is you got to keep yourself healthy. Uh, you got to do all the little things because one injury and one getting lazy in terms of your nutrition and diet. And next thing you know, you're eight pounds heavier coming off an injury and at least another injury and another injury. And that's what your early forties is about, you know, is, are you staying healthy? Then you're going to be running well. If you're breaking down and getting injured and not taking care of yourself, that's when you can take that big jump off the cliff and never return to any sort of fitness. So I think with what I'm doing now, I think I got a good couple of years. I mean, I don't see why next year would be any sort of major step back as long as I keep myself healthy. And then you just take it year by year, you know, who knows, maybe at 42, you know, I'll still be contending to win some of these major Spartan races. And that'd be, that'd be awesome. I love doing this and I don't, I don't see it ending, but I'm also aware that it could, you know, like I could wake up, you know, a few months from now and I I won't be able to break 16 for 5k. And that's when, everyone else is running faster than me and and you know maybe maybe i'm finishing 12th and that's a good race for me but i'll embrace that i'm excited for it and i've i've, I've had a pretty good run no man and, and that's for sure and you're definitely an inspiration to a lot of people that way um and it sounds like the the self-care has been a huge part of that and you know i'll let you go in a minute we'll roll over on an hour but um when when I, like, how do you, would you encourage someone to take that step to like, cause people, I think, I feel like people know that there are options available for them for their recovery and to, to do these things, these cryotherapy, this grass and go see a chiropractor to see what kind of things might help them. Like, how would you recommend people go at that? Like, is it as soon as there is some sort of like pain or, or setback or what kind of push can you give people to take their self-care into their hands? Um, when I, I feel think, like there's so many barriers. I think the biggest thing is finding the right practitioner first, you know, like if you live in a big city, it can be overwhelming, you know, and, and you might find a chiropractor that just cracks and, and that's might not be what you need. So, um, 
I've always been a big fan of ART active release technique. You can go to their also website really bad. and they've got uh, um, a um, practitioner directory. Uh, ART.com? Is that? Uh, no, I think Probably it's not active, release. Com, yeah, active release. Yeah. Don't Google art because that'll <laughs> yeah. bring up art, but, but active Picasso. release technique. Yeah, but I mean, okay. so PTs, chiropractors, and massage therapists are usually your ART providers. And you know they're going to work a lot on soft tissue. So I would find a provider, uh, one of those types of providers, and I would you know, maybe do some maintenance stuff to keep yourself good. If it's a massage therapist, they can do some ART and some general soft tissue work on you. That could keep you really good. But find somebody that works well for you. Ask around. Ask some of the other athletes who they go to. And uh, it's good, too, to maybe do some of that when you're still healthy with just minor stuff. Uh, that way, when something does get injured, uh, they've got a background with you, and they can kind of see these sort of changes in your body that, that occurred from the injury. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's – that's kind of the starting point I would look at. Uh, just try and find somebody to do a little bit of treatment on some of the minor stuff, and that way you hopefully won't get to the major sort of injuries that can knock you out for months. Yeah, and and that's a good call. And what what kind of cadence would you recommend people come and like see you or see see another soft tissue practitioner like monthly, biweekly? That varies. I know everybody's different. Uh, but... I mean, monthly, you know, is a general sort of maintenance routine that we'll do in our office. Uh, some people want it more biweekly. Um, that you know, that just kind of varies. Uh, um, but, but you know, every now and then, you know, a month or two is probably enough. Is it just depends on how well you take care of yourself. Are you stretching? Are you doing your mobility stuff? Um, or are you just trying to rely on one person every two weeks to to keep you mobile and healthy? You know, like it varies so much. It's hard to say. Um, well, cool, man. Yeah. And I, and I totally agree. And you see this popping up in a lot of the major sports as well. Like they talk about how much money LeBron James spends on himself. Tom Brady's obviously a wacko when it comes to this stuff. Oh yeah. And Ryan, and Ryan Teams was, have ART providers on their sideline all the time. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're always over there. It's cool watching like a football game and seeing somebody, you know, do a technique and you know exactly what they're treating in there. You know, you're like, oh yeah, they're working on that perennial tendon, you know, something like that. <laughs> you could probably get some good, like, hedges on like bets seeing what's going on the sidelines so you could like see who's being hurt and not it's like oh he's hurt yeah i'm gonna put my money the other way i think that well you be- can also tell sometimes watching football games like uh sometimes you'll see them do the uh the drawer test which is for acl tears and you'll see that give and you'll know like they're just kind of halfway showing it but you know wow that guy's torn his acl and oh, you can, geez. You can yeah. see it like right away that that'd be a good way to put some bets down. I, I think guess. you should. I think you, you could start a website on the marathon chiropractic. With the, yeah. And just have like, uh, give out some bets. Um, well, cool dude, dude, I really appreciate you being here. And, uh, like, I'm so thrilled again for you. I picked you to get second. You got first and that's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, up yours. <laughs> dude, but like, we're all rooting for everybody who does root for you, man. And we're real happy that, that you're out there still killing it. So appreciate you hopping on and, and sharing some of these gems. I feel like everyone's going to get a lot of value from it. So, um, yeah, before I let you go, if people want to follow you, um, like you're really engaging on social media, like you're, a, um, pretty entertaining follow. Um, so where can people find you? RJ Woodsy. I've got all the RJ Woodsy's on lockdown. So, Yahoo, Gmail, Hotmail, Instagram, Facebook, RJ Woodsy will get you to me. You can Google that. And I, I uh, Google, I did Google Ryan Woods, and a British soccer player comes up first. Did you know what? That? Yeah. There's, ah, I remember for a while there was a tight end at Michigan State. 
Um, there was a male model, Ryan Woods, for a little while. Uh, for a little while, uh, if you Googled male runner, a photo of me would come up as the first one Google images. But You're the stock I think that's photo. gone now. I think it's it's moved way down the list. Maybe if you Google male OCR athlete. I haven't done that. I can't verify that. We'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah. Um, well, cool, man. RJ Woodsy, wherever you have socials, um, follow him along as he gets ready for Tahoe, man. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I did. Absolutely. Uh, 